0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T. Capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. Today, we're going to talk about two films screening at the 2021 Doxa Documentary Film Festival. One is Dead Man's Switch, a crypto mystery. It's a heart-pounding and dizzying documentary feature about Gerald Cotton, the CEO of Quadriga, Canada's largest cryptocurrency exchange, whose sudden death in India in 2018 left a myriad of questions, chief among them. What happened to his investors $200 million? The other film we're going to talk about is Into Light. This poignant and profound documentary was produced through the National Film Board of Canada and follows a mother and child in Canada's north who navigate the complexities of gender identity together. These two films couldn't sound more dissimilar. One is a thriller steeped in mystery in the fast paced world of high tech finance the other is a rumination that relies on light and elemental changes and stunning narration to showcase a family's unique and courageous journey. And yet, yeah, both are stunning works of documentary. Both challenge their viewers to reconsider preconceived notions, be it about ethics and cryptocurrency or gender and parenting. And both were directed by Vancouver filmmaker Shona McDonald, who joins us today. To talk about the whys and whats and hows of her remarkable work, Shona McDonald, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Hey, welcome! Thank you. Great intro. How would you describe your documentary filmmaking? What kind of a filmmaker are you? Because watching these two films, Dead Man Switch, Crypto Mystery, and Into Light. I don't know who you are, and yet I am deeply moved by both of them. So explain yourself, Shona.
1: Okay, okay. That's a good start and a fair question and flattering, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all don't want to be put in the box. Like, what kind of films do you make? Well, um, so I would say I'm glad you were moved by both of them, and I would say that that probably is what I'm able to do in a lot of the films that I make is Mm. to find an emotional resonance, the core of the people, the core of the story from a human perspective, ideally without too much sentimentality. Mm. So, and I think that that's pretty fair um, across dramatic and documentary work that I've done. I like that, like the edge of where we are curious and engaged uh, but not
0: melodramatic. Mm. I want to start talking about Dead Man's Switch, a crypto mystery, because it is very fresh in my mind. What did mm-hmm. you know about cryptocurrency before you made this film? Because I will say, I thought I knew what it was. And I'm like, I after watching this film, like I had no idea. And I had no idea how many people were involved. And it's like this whole other world.
1: In our yeah, world. it's whole... <laughs> I know it's a whole other world and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um what did I know before? Well funnily I the curiosity around cryptocurrency came before the film and the um digging into making a film about cryptocurrency came before the story. So that's kind of the funny thing. Oh. A friend had told me about crypto and I you know dug in curiously what is it and looked at it how do you buy it what is it this was maybe 2017 early 2017 and then i was having a dinner uh at whistler at the whistler film festival with a broadcaster at the end of that year and she was like what are you working on i was like nothing (laughs) so she asked me to pitch something and i had nothing for her and then at the end of dinner uh, i had no interest in making a film about cryptocurrency but at the end of the dinner I, i said oh i'm sure you have a film about crypto." Not that I wanted to make, but that she probably had something in the mix. Uh, you wanted to watch no, it. You wanted to watch. I, was, film I just about was curious, right? We're <laughs> talking Like, there's got to be something. You got to have something. And um, and she said, no. She said, we will do one, and you you know take it and run, or uh, I'll give it to somebody else. So I did. Uh, and then I spent a lot of time digging into what would tick the box for me as a filmmaker. What can I spend two or three years thinking about and working on and building a story around? What can I tell about cryptocurrency that hasn't been told, that's digestible, that's not uh, too scientific or too abstract? And I couldn't find much. I looked into a lot of different elements and I couldn't find anything. They grabbed me and then... Uh, when I saw the posting from Quadriga, because of course I'd been playing around and Quadriga was the only game in town at that point or certainly the biggest. And um, when I saw that notice go up, I was like, oh, okay, I could feel it. I was like, this is why, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what the story I'm supposed to tell. I could feel it. So that's, <laughs> that's how it came about. So it sort of, I'm I think amazing. it found me, not me finding it, but.
0: It, it does sound like that. And we are going to avoid spoilers, uh, even though a lot of, I mean, you, the info, a lot of this stuff is out there. Uh, you got yes. a lot of exclusive yeah. stuff as well, but, um, just for the, for, for listeners, we have listeners all around the world who might not be aware. Um, who was Gerald Cotton?
1: So Gerald Cotton was the founder and CEO of quad co-founder and CEO of Quadriga CX. And he was young. I mean, he was, 30 when he died. So 20, well, it started in 2013. So he was 24 when they started the company. Um, and I, we don't, I mean, we only know so much about him, but that was his job, his founding, his initiative. Um, he co-founded uh, the company with a guy named Michael Patron. Uh, Gerald graduated from business school in Toronto in 2010. He grew up in Ontario. He moved to BC at one point. He spent time in the Maritimes. We don't know a ton about him. I mean, there's bits and pieces of fact out there, but, uh, and, you know, he had a video channel. So there's, you know, you can see his character.
0: Yeah. And he- I
1: only know so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then there's a lot of mystery. Uh, And I I mean, this was this was kind of like the starting point for a lot of people like, oh, he was the guy that died. And then all the information about how to get the money was in his laptop. And there's so much more than that. Um, I'm really interested in in the idea of responsibility Mm -hmm. Um, and also how like how you feel towards your documentary subject like did you feel any responsibility to gerald and is it important to to like him or and just in general feel responsible to your you know the subject of your documentary
1: yeah it's a really good question and i think that even though it's a fun story and even though there's lots of twists and turns and uh there there are a lot of victims in this story there's people who lost money uh gerald's family obviously lost their son brother uh, his wife lost her husband like there is loss in this um there are videos of gerald from his youtube channel in the film and for me that actually i think makes him more relatable and more human and more rounded and you sort of see a goofy side to him and a playful side um You know, we did try and talk to people who were closer to him and that was hard to do. So, yeah, I always feel a weight of responsibility. Um, Yeah, I mean, maybe this differently than some films, for sure, or some projects. Uh, But it's there, it's there for sure. And also a real, um, partly because you have to from a legal perspective, but a real need to verify facts and yeah. research well and research again and double check facts and uh, really make sure that the information that's going out is as accurate as possible.
0: One of the things I love about this film is um, j- just the, the many different kinds of tools and, and techniques that you use to tell the story. You mentioned the YouTube videos. There's also recreations. recreations. Recreation is when you go skating, uh, <laughs> recreations of, of um, you know, some some key scenes or ideas about what might have happened to Gerald. There's also we get to see, you know, you, when uh, email or, or DM exchanges, you know, like where, where it shows you reaching out to to people. Was there was there anything in how you put this film together or on the, you know, the craft or the creative side that that you did in this film that you have not done before?
1: I mean, it was certainly an amalgamation of a lot of things. I've used animation in documentary before um, with Mark Alberts, who did it in this one. And I've used elements of motion graphics, but certainly not to this extent. Um, I've done recreations before, but again, this is a little bit different. You're casting someone who's real. What are you going to see? How are you going to see it? So bringing it all together was certainly... um, You know, at the beginning, I was like, how's it going to go? And we tried at times to interweave those elements and certainly Mm. got uh, Simon Schneider, the DP, and Brendan Cave, who did the motion graphics, and Mark on a page talking to Ness, who was editing, and everyone was at home because it was COVID, so people worked really hard and really committed to getting the information right. Um, a woman named Polly Legere was the researcher, and she was fantastic and deeply involved at every turn, and oh, we need something that does this, and so it was really bringing in all of those elements and figuring out what's the best way to tell this, uh, because the other thing we did, I had to consider all along the way was how much information can an audience bear about cryptocurrency? What do they need to know? <laughs> what do you need to know to understand the story where yeah. you're not overwhelmed and bored? And then how much balance of the story itself can we tell? And of course there's lots of twists and turns we didn't get to partly sometimes because we didn't have enough information to yeah. put it out there. And some of it didn't fit,
0: but there's more, more rabbit holes There are so many rabbit holes. Um, Do you, like, have you come to any conclusions yourself about what happened here? And if so, are you comfortable Uh, saying or, or, or I, I could also ask, like, (laughs) has your idea about what happened here changed over the course of making this film?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, Ontario, the OSC, the Ontario, Ontario Securities Commission's report came out while we were working, and that does offer some definitive uh, answers about, you know, and all the monitor reports, no mm-hmm. money in accounts, that sort of thing. So, there definitely, that would come down and be like, oh, right, there wasn't any money. So, there, there are things that we know. Um, is he dead? Uh, I don't know. Here's my question. Here, I'll just bat it back to you. No matter how brave you were and no matter what you were trying to pull, would you be comfortable flying a body back from India and risking international travel with not the right body? <laughs> because I wouldn't.
0: I mean, <laughs> so- I, I don't know, Shona, like if they had if they had this money. I mean, mm-hmm. money, money can buy a certain kind of, of privilege and a certain kind of access. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm saying too much. Everybody watch this film. Watch this film.
1: Yeah, uh, it's good. I mean, I mean, that's what I, you, I want you to go and sit next to someone who feels completely differently about it. And, uh, and there's enough gray areas that you can draw some of your own conclusions around yeah. what happened.
0: This is what I find so interesting about you is that now I'm going to shift gears into another film, which I'm assuming you there might have been some overlap, you know, where you're working on at the, you know, at the same time or, you know, into light, like, talk to me about like, before we talk about the remarkable humans in this film and just the beauty. And, oh my God, there's this ice fort I want to go and play in <laughs> up in Yellowknife. <laughs> you know, like that experience of, you know, you are working on the feature and then on the short, like, do, what are you doing in your brain? Are you compartmentalizing? <laughs> are you drawing on the same yeah. tools? Like, was it hard to juggle? Like, walk us through that process.
1: Uh, I wasn't that hard to juggle. I don't think, they were both funnily, uh, there's a similarity to the process from both only because uh, they were both in the works for about the same amount of time, about three years. years—and. Mm-hmm. They were both being shot. Uh, in fact, we shot in Yellowknife March sixth to 9th last year, 2020, and we were supposed to go back and shoot again. We had a shoot scheduled for a Dead Man's Switch in uh, New York, Montreal, Toronto last April, which didn't happen. But okay, so if you're listening, film- sorry,
0: just to interrupt, Shona, but if you're listening to this far in the future, when she says last year, March and April, she's talking about 2020. Do you remember yeah. what 2020 was, everybody listening? Because we are all vaccinated and COVID's behind us if we were in the future. Wow.
1: Yeah. So you really yeah, so we, to- we came back from Yellowknife March 9th and then March 13th, we're shutting everything down. And funnily, like we talked about it in Yellowknife, like go oh, get hand sanitizer, wash your hands, but that oh. was it. And so how quickly it came down was pretty amazing. Wow. And with both films, I kind of said the same thing. Like once it, once I realized that, this wasn't going away quickly. Uh, I said, let's see what we can do with what we've got. I had wow. an editor waiting to start Dead Man Switch. And so it's, you know, would have had to pause her. She would have gone and got other work. So I was like, okay, let's go. And then I went to Terry at the NFB and said, Terry Snellgrove. Terry Snellgrove. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And I said, what happens if we just... I'd already done an 18 minute cut of like the audio story, the trajectory that I thought it might take. And we'd done this one shoot and I was like, what? Let's just see, like, let's see what we're missing. So we know what we're going back for. Um, And we ended up using basically everything we shot, but we did Make it out of that. We didn't go back and shoot. With Dead Man's Switch, I did have a, shot, a shoot done in L.A. Someone shot for me in Toronto. Someone shot for me in India. I had a team go out, so I did need more shooting there. But it got quite specific around what we needed. So, but in terms of my brain, I don't know. I mean, we—I compartmentalize all the time. I got three kids. <laughs> work at home. I work in the arts. I like. We're women. We we
0: contain multitudes, right? We have to do all of that. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to and I had good great people on both projects. Yeah, well, clearly you did. Um with Intellect, like I want to go back to that question of responsibility, you know, that we talked mm-hmm. about with, with Gerald. I mean, this is a this is a, a a very personal story. You know, it's a mother and daughter talking about um the daughter's realization, you know, that that she had been, you know, misgendered at, at birth. Um yep and uh you know we there was i mean i saw that there were efforts to um you know respect their privacy you know and keep them anonymous and yet still it's very it's very intimate as well so what, what kind of responsibility did you did you feel towards you know this mother and daughter and and you know what what role did that responsibility play in how you told their story I
1: mean, that one we knew from the get-go. So I knew this family uh, for quite some time and was Mm. quite present as uh, the gender representation started to shift and become a parent. And so I watched the mothers... Struggles is the wrong, I mean, there were struggles for sure. Uh, years later, I'm not sh- She would characterize them as such, but it's a tricky word. But I watched what she was going through, the resources she couldn't find, the questions she was ans- asking about her responsibility and how to protect and care for and nurture and guide and give space for and listen and all of those things. Uh, that on top of parenting in some ways, right? Like the added weight of, and people saying like, how does a three-year-old or a four-year-old know? I mean, that was a big question. And as someone who knew the family, I was like, well, it's perfectly clear. <laughs> there was there was no question. So I did ask, I asked the question of the mother and said, would you be interested in sharing your story? Because I know we'd there's lots more stories about transgender um, people at the moment, but I hadn't heard that perspective like the, mm-hmm. a parent, particularly with such a young child. Um, and I was surprised when she said yes, because she's actually a really private person. She's mm-hmm. not a person who wants to put herself out there. And she said yes, and she never wavered on that. Uh, and then it was a question pretty early on of like, okay, we're not going to see you. My concern there was, how do you connect? with someone that you can't see.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so we considered mm-hmm. animation, didn't feel right. Considered recreations, didn't feel right. Uh, using the landscape and the n- north and the darkness and the light and the you know, shadows and all of that was definitely uh, in the conception from the get-go. Yeah. But I felt really protective of them and they were engaged all along the way. So the mom helped write the film. Uh, we ran everything by them. And uh, as the daughter got older through the course of making the film, she became more involved as well. so it became a story that they tell together, which i I kind of love in the film. I don't think I'm giving it any away. You hear from the mom for probably the first eight minutes and before the daughter comes in, and it felt like well that that kind of makes sense
0: how do you How do you want people to feel when the end credits are rolling on Light?
1: We definitely joy was uh. Definitely the takeaway that was a conscious, like this is not a sad story. This is a happy, empowering, beautiful story. Beauty was really important. I mean, you'd ask the question about the crypto film um, in terms of construction and that one needed to be like technical and perfect and like high end. This needed to just be simple. We shot it anamorphic, which was Simon Schneider shot this one too. And that was his idea um and even i mean it was definitely his conception in terms of hiding them in terms of not seeing all of them the anamorphic helps that but also we didn't want them shadowed which sort of gives a hidden feeling instead it's you feel them but you're you you do not see them so it's it was an interesting walk from that perspective um just it was just an ongoing conversation about making it beautiful. I hope that it's a film that's redundant in 10 years. I hope that at some point someone watches it and goes, who cares? This is a film about two people yeah. because we're far enough along around gender representation that this film is boring, you know, because as soon as you I accept what's so, happening, right.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's one of, it's one of the biggest civil rights issues of our times right now. I mean, looking at, looking at what's going on, you know, specifically in America right now, you know, there are intense, like, governmental, legal, physical attacks on yeah. on children, like the little girl in your film, you know? Yeah. How, what, how do you feel a film like this should fit into the, you know, this discourse then? Like, you know, what, what kind of potential do you think it has um, to play a role? I think so. I think something that's really important to
1: say that definitely came and became apparent as we made it is that I am not part of the transgender community. So all of the conversation we're having right now about who has the right to tell what story. Mm. I mean, if you look at it telling a story largely about a cis parent, uh, then that's where it started. Then, you know, that I can identify there, but then there's this transgender uh, child. And so, you know, what right do I have to speak for that community? It's fortunate that she speaks for herself, but I do actually think that this is probably a film uh, more geared towards the cis community um, than the transgender community, even when we we did a rough cut and we'd started the film with a question that was provocative, which as filmmakers, you know, sometimes or. <laughs> podcasters or anything, the provocative can be interesting. Mm -hmm. And we put it out there for feedback and it wasn't well received to start with a provocative question. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we went back and, and, you know, people who are seeing it will get this pretty quickly, but we start with a conversation about pronouns and Mm -hmm. that felt like a far better place to
0: ground it. And um, I love that conversation. I love, and I love to see the, the, the mothers, you know, in in that very brief conversation, you can even see her own journey, you know, in mm-hmm. in where she's got, no, that was some great yeah. feedback you got. That was some great It was help, you made. Yeah, it was super
1: helpful. <laughs> and it, and you know what, at every turn and every conversation that I have, I'm where I'm gonna get something wrong. I mean, I'm gonna say gender identity and that's not gonna be the right word. I'm gonna, you know, I mean, so it's, a, it's such a language. Language is so important and identification is so important and you know, not being afraid to ask questions and get it wrong and share this information and, and understand the journey. So the core message is really simple, but I think the things that surround it and our fear and our learning is lagging a little bit for our generation, but you know what, my kids are all, they're good. <laughs> they,
0: are. they are, they yeah. are. I have a 10 year old and, and she is on top of all of this. You know? um, she's yeah. all like- They care at all. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, but if there are kid like what I've noticed with my daughter, if there are kids who are, you know, who are non-binary or who are trans, like like my daughter is all up in the, these are the, pro, what pronouns do you want? You know, anybody gives you a hard time, I'm there. And they even have, you know, one of the the Soji clubs at, at her school, which I think is uh, pretty cool, the sexual orientation and gender identity club at her elementary school. Like, yep. you know, we just have to have, you know, more faith in our in our kids, you know, and we have to hear from more kids. That's why I think also I appreciated hearing from the little girl in your film.
1: Well, I was going to say, I asked, I mean, I sat down and did an interview with her and she was amazing. And I tried a lot of different ways to get her to give me a nuanced or different response to my questions. And she really just kept coming back to the same answer, which was, you just, you know, parents need to let their children be who they are. And anyway, I was like, oh yeah, it's that simple. Like this film is that simple. The message behind it, what it all boils down
0: to at the core is that yeah. simple. Simple but big. And you know what, let's give her the last word today. Uh, Shona, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, where can our, where can our fans like find you, follow you, celebrate your work? Are you on the social media or do your films have yeah, social I'm on media social- accounts I'm- on the social media? <laughs> I
1: have people that are doing that for me because I'm really bad at it. But um, uh, Switch, deadmansfilm.com is the website and we'll keep it up to date with where it can be seen. Both films will be at Hot Docs and Doxa. Hot Docs starts in two days. Mm -hmm. So people can get tickets and start watching in two days. And then it'll be at Doxa, including a
0: drive-in on (gasps) May 13th. Yes, that was just announced. I love that. Actually, I do have another question for you. I mean, you talked about yeah. about uh, you know completing these films during the pandemic, you know. But what about the process of releasing these films, you know, during the pandemic? Like, is it is it mixed emotions, or you know, is there a silver lining to to releasing oh, okay. this? You're like, eh.
1: <laughs> I, I'm a documentary. There is a silver eh. lining. Mostly, it, mostly it's sad. A little bit sad, uh, for sure. Having been at film festivals all the time, and you're like, oh, I want to go and see it with an audience, and. Uh, not have people stop and start them in their homes but uh, the silver lining is that where before if someone was going to watch a film at hot Docs, they had to be in toronto or watch it at Docs, so they had to be in vancouver so both of these films will be available uh, basically from april 29th to may 16th online so that's good and then they will both or well the nfb i'm not sure we'll see what they do with into light but um deadman switch will broadcast on CBC, Mainnet, Jam, and Documentary Channel uh, in August. So,
0: <gasps> Fantastic. Oh, that's bloody so brilliant. I love to hear they're that. They're seeable.
1: And then we'll see where they go the rest of the world. But uh, they're on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Both have pages. And, oh, I don't know if Intelite has a page, but the NFB is taking care of all
0: of it. NFB is amazing. I love they the NFB. And you're amazing too, Shona McDonald. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Rena.
0: Thank you also to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. And we love listeners because that's Yay. why we exist. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, listeners. <laughs> find You can find us at www.yvrscreens.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane Not of Davale for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day.